Church, I'm so excited to be with you this evening. My name is Garrison. I am the campus director here, and it is a privilege to be with you on 715. This is your first time here. I just want to say an extra welcome. We're excited to have you. Now, I want to start doing something a little bit differently. When we were in worship and song, I heard the Holy Spirit say, be still. And so I think we need to take a moment and be still. And what it says in Psalm 46.10, it says, be still and know that I am God. I think in the stillness, we're reminded afresh that whatever you're going through this week, God has it in control. So let's take a moment and let's just be still before the Lord. Lord, we invite you into this place. Have your way with this people, with this church, with this word. We pray that it will strengthen us in our inner person, that it will change our minds about who you are, and that it will convict our hearts to love you with everything we have. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we're going through this series called Timeless Truths for the Time We're In. It's in Colossians, and we have had an amazing setup of speakers thus far. Last week, Pastor Stephen killed it, and i got to read his points because I'm not that great at memory. Renewed vision of the gospel was this. He preached on the last couple of verses, I believe it was the last ten verses of Colossians 1, and we have renewed vision of the gospel. This is something we need afresh every day. I think I need my vision renewed every day. We have renewed vision of suffering. And I don't know about you, but right now it doesn't feel that great. It feels really, really hard. And this might be a time of intense suffering for you. And if that's the case, you should go listen to Pastor Stephen's message. And then lastly, our work as a response to the first two. So now we're going to pick up in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. And I've entitled this message, Jesus is Enough. I just want to say before we get into this, you know Jesus is enough for your problems? You know he's enough for your shortcomings. You know he's enough for your faults. He's enough for your lack of faith. He is enough. And what you're going through means little to him. Let me say that a different way. What you're going through means a lot to him, but it's not too big for him to overcome. Jesus is enough. And we're going to jump into these verses. Colossians 2, 1 through 7. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and those who are at Laodicea. And for those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is himself, Christ, in whom, we have hit, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this to you so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am, not, I am absent in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit. Rejoicing to see your good discipline and stability of your faith in Christ. Verse 6, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him, built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. This right here is Paul writing to this church. He's never been there, but he's writing to them to encourage them. He's got a man on the inside. And we've heard so many great messages about what has happened thus far. Tonight, I've got three things I want to talk to you about. Received, rooted, and rebuilt. Received, rooted, and rebuilt. And before you say anything about the R's and the alliteration, I just did it so I can remember. I'm not going to lie to y'all. My memory's not that great, so I needed to remember this. So we've got received, 
rooted, rebuilt. We're going to focus heavily on these two verses, verse 6 and 7. And we will tie in the other verses with it. And so I want to read verses 6 and 7 one more time. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. I got married a couple years ago, and I know I use my story of marriage a lot, but I love it. It's so beautiful to me. And as I got married those two years ago, and this was one of the most, I guess, epic weddings in my entire life, or that I've been to because I haven't been to that many weddings. And so when we were driving on the day of my wedding, my dad picked me up, and we were getting ready to go get dressed and everything, and he said, son, I'm so proud of you. Just love you, and I'm so excited for what God's got in your future. I said, thanks, dad. I appreciate that. I love you, too. I'm excited, too. You know, I'm just trying to live my life doing well and make sure I have the best outcome I can. And he said, I'm so, I just love you so much. I want to give you this watch. And I was like, oh, you love me that much? Try to give me a watch? Okay, cool. Let's go. So I get this nice watch. And my dad, if you know him, sorry, dad, I'm about to out you, but he likes expensive watches. It's not one of those like G-Shocks. It's not one of those like nice, cool watches that we wear today in our society. It's more like those expensive, very, very, very expensive watches. And as I see him giving me this watch, I'm like, wait a second. I know how much this costs. And this is not something that you just give away. This is not something that you just hand to a person. This is something that you give to those who love, who you love. And isn't that what God did when he sent Jesus? Isn't that what he did when he said, though you don't understand what I'm doing right now, I'm going to help you and give you somebody who can fix all the things that you have wrong in your life. I'm going to have somebody come and be with you in a way that you've never been with before. And he gave me this watch. And I didn't recognize it in the moment, but this watch tells time. I know that's what all watches do, but like, it just didn't hit me how the correlation was with our God. See, when God sent Jesus, he sent him to die because we're going to die. And as he sent Jesus to die, and I've got some people in the audience, so I'm going to look around because I don't want to, I, I love y'all, but I'm, I've got some people in, in the audience. So he, sent us to, he sent Jesus to die, and we're going to die. But he sent Jesus to die so that we could live. You see, we're running out of time. And we need the God of the universe to give us eternity because that's what we missed. You see, in us missing time, God has re-given it. He's given it back. And he said, I'm going to give you that and all the more because I don't want you to be separate from me. And so he's given us new time. He's given us eternity in relationship with him. We have received something great. We have received the Savior of the world. But this is the thing that we often do, and I'm guilty of it as well. We don't just receive him as Savior. We have to receive him as Lord as well. And I think sometimes we get these things kind of mixed up. as like, God, I love you, but I really don't want to give you the parts of me that I'm comfortable with. I really don't want to surrender these things to you because it's hard. I really love you as Savior, but not as Lord. You see, Paul says, you received Christ Jesus the Lord. He didn't say just the miracle worker, which he did. Jesus performed many miracles. He didn't say just the one who fed the 5,000. 
He didn't say the Jesus who just raised Lazarus from the grave. He didn't say the Jesus who just performed these things and opened the, 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 the deaf man's ears and the blind eyes. He didn't say just that. He said as Lord. Now, in our society today, we don't have a great concept of what Lord means because we don't use it. It's not something we have in our, in our common vernacular. But back then, Lord was a very, very normal term. And in fact, most people had somebody they referred to as Lord. You put yourself in the position of a servant so that you can serve somebody, that you can have them be your master. And to give us a parallel today, I don't know how many of y'all watch Fresh Prince, but I love Fresh Prince. You got Uncle Phil, you got Aunt Viv, you got Carlton, you got Will, you got the whole family. But how many of y'all love Jeffrey? G was the OG. He was the OG of all things. I love Jeffrey. Why? Because Jeffrey put himself second. Jeffrey decided, I love these people so much that I'm going to put myself in a position to serve them rather than have my needs met first. And so he went out of his way to make their beds, to cook their food, to even do all the extracurricular things that butlers, I don't know if they're supposed to do, but he did. But what did he call them? He called them master, master will, master Carlton, master Phil. Why did he call them master? Because he recognized his position in their lives. You see, when we call Jesus Lord, we're calling him master of everything. Not just the parts we're comfortable giving him with. Not just the parts we feel, okay, I guess you've fought me long enough so you can have this. We're calling him Lord of everything. And so as that happens, we need to walk in him. Why does Paul say you have received Christ as Lord? Because if you receive him as only Savior, you'll turn to everything else to receive, him, to receive that as Lord. When you turn to Jesus as Lord, you forsake the other things and you walk with him as Lord. But if you only see him as Savior, you'll turn to other things to give you guidance and direction. You'll turn to music and what's popular today. You'll listen to the stars. You'll try to find other things that are so enticing and leading you to the place where you want to be rather than where you need to. Paul says to them, you have received Christ as Lord. Now I want to run back to verse 2 really quickly so that we can read this because this is important. He says that their hearts may be uh, encouraged in having been knit together with love. This is really important because it's hard to love people when you're not submitted to Christ as Lord. It's really difficult. Why? Because people always offend you. I've got news for you. If you haven't been around long enough, you're going to get offended by some people. And if you're in the church, you're going to be offended by some people. We're not, there is no, no uh, exception to people of God, to the people of God. We will offend you. But when you're knit together with somebody, it's hard to stay mad. It's really hard to stay mad at somebody that you are so closely knitted to. I'm wearing a sweater this morning, and my sweater is knitted. There's a bunch of different strands in here. They got some white. They got some pumpkin color. I'm wearing a pumpkin color because it's fall, and, you know, I got to represent all the stuff that we're doing. But um, this sweater is knitted together, and it's not just one single strand. It's many strands put together so that there can be a uniting, and now it fits on my body. You see, when we're knit together in love, we then have the opportunity to show people what Jesus looks like. Because we don't have to stay offended, we can move past that, have dialogue, love unconditionally. And that's what this word means here, is to love unconditionally. Not based on the circumstances that make us happy, not based on the things that we feel, not based upon our current situation, but to love unconditionally. So when that person offends you, you know what you need to do? 
You need to link closer with them. You need to move in closer and say, hey, you offended me. Can we talk about why? Can we talk about what happened? Can we talk? Can we be knitted together in love so tightly that even the worst offenses can't knock us, to, knock us out? Can we be knitted together so tightly that when we get in the place where people need to see Jesus, they'll look at us as the representatives? Can we be knitted together so tightly that our hearts are encouraged? You need to be knitted together with people. And it only happens when we receive Christ as Lord. Why do you need to receive Christ as Lord? Because you will not move forward in your life, in your purpose, in your calling, in your destination of where you're trying to get to if you don't have the greatest God on the planet. You need Christ as Lord. You need him to tell you where to go, where to step, what's next, because if you're looking to society, they'll only tell you what they can see, where God can tell you what you can't. Look to Christ as Lord. You have received him as Lord. I love how Paul puts this because he's so specific with it. He's so intimate with it. And when he calls Jesus Lord, he means that. Because Paul was a man who gave everything to his job as a Pharisee. He was the man who gave everything to his career. And he talks about it in, I believe it's Philippians, where he's talking about his accolades and where he comes from. And then he gets to this place, but he says, I forsake it all for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. For the surpassing worth of knowing Christ as Lord. Where you've gotten, I'm sure there's been a lot of hard work. Where you're going, I'm sure there's a lot more hard work. But if you try to make it on your own, you'll miss out on what God wants to give you in probably greater direction. They have received. And this is the beautiful thing. You didn't have to do anything for it. It wasn't that you had to strive. It wasn't that you had to try. It was that you just were. There was no stipulation saying you need to complete these amount of tasks to receive me as Lord. There was no circumstance that said, okay, if you stop sinning, you can receive me as Lord. In fact, he said, come to me and I will give you rest. Why? Because it's comforting to know he's got it in control. It's really refreshing to know that he's got it under control. Receive Christ as Lord. Stop trying to earn him. Stop trying to deserve him. Stop trying to make this God out of what you feel or think. He is not in your mind. He needs to be in your whole life. They received him as Lord. And then next, he says in verse 7, having been firmly rooted, having been firmly rooted, this is really cool. I love how Paul puts words together to make sense. I know that lots of people do that, and that's what our common English is for, and whatever language you speak, that's what it's for. But like Paul puts together words that make sense about God, and if we didn't have Paul's writings, we'd be lost. So let's, I, just, I just love how Paul puts it to these, these people in Colossians. You have, having been firmly rooted, he says. Now, there's a tree out in California. It's called the California Redwood. And this is a giant tree. This is massive. It's huge. And when we look at this tree, you would think the roots have to go deep, right? This tree sits about 100 to 200 feet tall. It's a giant tree. He says you would think that you would have to have deep roots, right? Well, this is actually one of the trees that has pretty shallow roots for how high the tree is. It's about 100 feet high, but the roots only go about 10 feet in the ground. But this is the thing about them. 
when these roots go deep, they hit the, the marker in which they're supposed to hit, they start going this way. They start going to the other trees around them. So they're not standing by themselves because when you get very tall, when you grow very big, you have to have a support system. So Paul is saying to them, be rooted in this unconditional love, the unconditional love from God and the unconditional love from the people of God. Can I tell you how important it is to be in a small group? It's so important to be in a community of people who love you just for you, for no other reason than just you being you. It's so refreshing to be able to build with them, to grow with them, and more importantly, to learn from them. I learn from people that are in my small group. I learn from the people that are just coming and wanting to talk about God. Why? Because I put myself in a position of community. You need to be knitted together in love and then rooted with these same people so that when you start to move in a direction, you can ask them, is this the right way for me to go? Because we're knitted together, I want to make sure that I'm pleasing God and not working for myself. I want to make sure that I'm honoring God's plan for my life and not trying to create my own. I want to make sure that I'm moving in the right direction so that I can glorify the one who sent me there rather than giving my own self the glory. You need to be rooted with people and in a church. You need to be rooted in a church. And what the rooting does when you unite with somebody, the people of God, it's hard to be persuaded any other way. You see, what Paul says back in verse, I believe it's verse 3 and 4. Let me, read it. Let me go back to it. It's verse 3 and 4. He says, in whom, uh, uh, in whom are the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge? I say this to you so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. It's hard to persuade somebody whose faith is not rooted in their feelings. It's hard to persuade somebody whose faith is linked with other people so that they can ask questions. Hey, somebody said this to me. Is this right? Does this really make sense? That like, Am I supposed to listen to this? It's hard to be persuaded when you know that the rock you're standing on hasn't moved. It's hard to be persuaded. And why does Paul say be rooted, firmly rooted, so that you can prove what God's will is? that you can display with your rooting, with your connection with people, with your connection with God, what the display of God's character is, what his love is, what his church is supposed to be like to the people around you. You need to be rooted in community. You need to be rooted in a church, and you need to be rooted on the one who doesn't move. And this brings me to my next point. You need to be rebuilt. As we live life, a lot of things have come and been a part of our lives. So many things, and when we build on the wrong things, we have shaky foundation. We have a shaky ground. What that shaky ground does is when we get to the place where now the wind is coming, because the winds do come, storms come, life happens, and it's hard to maintain our normal. It's hard to maintain our routine when circumstances outside of our control happen. When those things happen, we get to then stand on the right foundation. There's this building, and it's, it's the highest, tallest building that's ever been constructed, the Burj Khalifa. Some of you may have known about it, and if you haven't looked up a picture of it, I would say do that, but after the sermon, because there's something I want to tell you about this building. Normal houses, the foundation for a normal house is about, mm, let's say, five to six feet. You dig deep, and then you start to lay the foundation, and you want to make sure it's level, and then you build the house correctly. The Burj Khalifa 
they needed to dig 50 meters or 165 feet. The reason they needed to do that was because there's sand. And sand is not at all conducive for building. So they had to dig deep, and once they found out what they were building upon, they had to say, okay, what are we going to do to make sure this works? Because we're building, we're trying to build the tallest building ever constructed. And we're trying to build it on something that is not a stable foundation. What are you trying to build that you need a stronger foundation for? What are you trying to build that is so beautiful yet needs the rock of life to be sustained by? What are you trying to build? And so what they did is they dug 160 feet deep. They started laying concrete. But it was so hot that they needed to use ice to actually cool down the concrete so that it would level off and that it would actually be smooth enough to put surfaces on. So when you have concrete that cools too quickly, then what happens is you get this uneven surface. So they had to do this. And they did that throughout the entire time they were building the foundation. Then they used steel as well. They used steel and concrete. And there's some 60 tons of steel and concrete in the, in, just in the desert sand. They had to do it th- like this because there are sandstorms also in Dubai. And when these sandstorms come, they're not coming with a little bit of wind. They're coming with a great wind. These sandstorms, this building had to be built so it could withstand the sandstorms. You want to go big with God? You need to first go deep. You don't get the opportunity to build a great, beautiful building without first building a strong foundation. You don't get to go to the places where God says he has plans for you until you go deep with Jesus. Why? Because when you get there, he doesn't want you jacking it up. Just real talk. If you get there without a deep foundation in Jesus, you are going to jack it up. Paul is telling these people, you need to build deep. You need to build deep. And what building deep does, oh, let me tell you, it gives you some of the most refreshing, beautiful, sustaining relationships you've ever had. What building deep with Jesus as Lord does gives you the opportunity to walk in newness of life. What building deep with Jesus does is allowing him to come in and take the parts of your heart that are still a little bit broken, that are still a little bit jagged, that are still a little bit frustrating, that are still a little bit just too much you, and remove them so that he can make them new and then give them back to you as restored. You need to build deep with Jesus. Because when you do, you start to reap the benefits of deep community. You start to reap the benefits of deep relationship, you start to reap the benefits of Jesus himself. When we allow the building deep to happen, we can then be sustained for the long journey we have ahead of us. Now, this Burj Khalifa stands at 2,700 feet, um, over uh, half a mile high. Half a mile high. If you want to stand tall in the face of adversity... You've got to sit with Jesus. You've got to allow him to take out the parts of you that are so broken and so hurting, that are so just intimidating for other people, that are so intimidating for you, that are scary, anxiety-driven, that are fearful, so that what he can do with them is restore them, renew them. We need to be rebuilt on the foundation that is Christ because when we do, we get to be knitted together in love with people. 
We get to walk with the understanding that my faith is not circumstantial or feeling-based. We get to receive all that God has for us. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thankful, we are so thankful for who you are, that you are God Almighty. That your sacrifice that you did on the cross made a way for us to get to you. We do not deserve any of it, and yet you freely give it. We ask that we would be vessels of your love, that we would be displays of the unity you have within yourself, and that we would honor you by living with you as Lord. If you have never, or let me say it this way, if you have said, Jesus, yeah, I called you my Savior, I gave my life to you at one point, but I really haven't been living with you as Lord. I just want you to raise your hand and pray after me. Say, God, I'm sorry for where I've been selfish with my life. I'm sorry for keeping it for myself. I choose to make you Lord, to make you master, for you to be the one who directs me, for you to be the one who has control. And then I want to make a second call. This is for the people who have never, ever heard the good news of Jesus, which is that he came down to earth as a man from heaven, that he embodied us, that he lived perfectly, that he died unjustly, and that he rose again on the third day, giving us access to relationship with God. If you have never, ever said, I want a relationship with God, just pray after me. Say, Lord, I need you. I've been living my life too long without you. I need your help. I'm asking that you would come into the places that are hurting, that are frustrating, that are angry, that are sad, that are just ultimately broken, and that you would make me new, that you would create in me a new heart, and that you would allow me to walk with you as a friend, as a Lord, as a Savior, as my God. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. If that's you who just made that commitment, we want to say welcome because we believe that when somebody says, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus, there's a party in heaven that the angels rejoice, that people, are, the, 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 the music is going off and the time of their lives are had. If you just said yes to Jesus, we'd love for you to connect with us and us with you. Please text New Life to 25827. And when you do so, You'll have something that pops up and you'll be able to fill that out. Or if you're in the chat, you can click the button that says, I did this and I want to know more at the top. This is a moment in which we can celebrate your coming into relationship with God to be the person that you were designed to be.